And splash, splash. All right. You want to open the? Uh, what are we? Uh, what, what do we have on the docket for this evening? So this evening we're going to talk about. Each of us has five conductors we love, and one conductor who can just go lick balls. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Right. And mine. I'm very proud of my lick balls one. You go right ahead with that. Yeah, but we won't start there. We'll start. Oh, with okay. I thought yeah. you were gonna. No, no, no. Because we had some rosé, some Kirkland rosé. We rose. did. And uh, you want to do the honors? Please, it's your. Oh, well, your, this is your camera. So now we've got some Kirkland champagne. Champagne. The rumor I've heard is that it's actually Veuve Clicquot. Oh, you just ruined it. I was going to say this tastes remarkably like Veuve Clicquot, oh. like the old widow. Yeah, I was going to say. It tastes, it's Vouf Clicquot <laughs> incognito. The Widow Clicquot, as it were. Oh. Now, there's a trick, you see, to opening champagne. Is there? There is. I've there's seen a right a way lot, and a wrong way. a lot of fail videos. Now, the right champagne. way, I have it from my uh, beverages and more uh, wine classes, is that you, a good wine waiter, will mm -hmm. keep the pressure on the cork yes. as it is withdrawn, mm -hmm. only allowing it ever so slightly to escape and to, you should only hear the merest... That's it. All right. Here we go. This is well chilled, by the way. Mm -hmm. oh, that was a bit much. No, that was good. And there we are. There we go. <laughs> and there we are. And there we are. So, um... <laughs> Try not to kick the table. There's a microphone on it there, champ. There you go. Um, so let's talk about this T-shirt I've got on. I've got the inaugural collector's item, limited run, Classical Rebellion T-shirt. And the reason it's a limited run <laughs> is it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I overemphasized the technology. Um, so there's a white trim around the, uh, the logo, and there's a shadow on the text. And that's all great for web design, but it's not great for printing t-shirts. So it just needs to be simplified, and I'm going to make it a bigger file, and we're going to try again. Right. So, cheers. cheers. Here's to a classical rebellion. <laughs> yes. So five conductors who you, you really love. think Who you really think blow doors. That are great. And one who licks balls. One who licks balls. So we're staying positive. <laughs> But you've got to have you got to have some darkness with the light. Is this like chocolate salty balls? Mm, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'll you wanna, start. You want to start? Okay. Sure. Start um, with your one of your, your you love. I've got five. Loves. Okay. That I think, and here's, here's another thing. I I think I sort of conceived of my five really hallmark conductors as conductors who changed the landscape. Who changed ah, the landscape? Okay. Because this is why they're important, and this is why they can. Some of them continue to stack up. Can in I my try estimation. to guess one? No, you can just steal my thunder. You, 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 because if it's not the first one that I'm going to mention, then you just like blew yeah, two of my sure. two of my conductor choices. Okay, yeah, all, right. Thing. all right. The first one obviously is Arturo Toscanini. Yeah, uh, I, I. I wasn't going to guess that. I already knew that. Yeah, but there's re there are lots of reasons for for Toscanini being. Uh, Continuing to be an important conductor, mm -hmm. um, the accuracy of his interpretations, the 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 fidelity. He was he's really in a lot of ways part of the early music movement because he was observing Beethoven's markings. He was observing Beethoven's scoring uh, to a greater degree, a far greater degree than was being done in other places. Mm -hmm.
conductors and uh, and he was he was he was tighter with it less less you know um, you know swishy and 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 hyper romantic with with the with the bowings and things he he insisted on a standard for clarity mm-hmm. so that you could really hear what what Beethoven was getting at and when you when you when you line up the Toscanini recordings whatever their sound qualities I'm not really interested in sound sound doesn't really interest me that much uh, quite frankly, you know, I have a bit of tinnitus in my ears. I always have since I was a kid. Hmm. Uh, I l- learned a long time ago not to really worry so much about the sound. Listen to the music. Listen to the notes. Right. Don't don't worry about you know whether you've got the optimal place in the concert hall. Get inside the music, and um, uh, and Toscanini. Uh, when you when you line up his performances against Roger Norrington, you find out that there are more similarities than differences. Hmm. Right. You know, compare that to Bruno Walter. Compare that to John Barbaroli. You know, I mean, uh, his uh, listening to some of his Beethoven, it's very arch romantic. You know, yeah. ponderous and mm-hmm. and it's it's great stuff, but it's not necessarily Beethoven. And I think when you when you if you want to get inside Beethoven in the Beethovenian manner, the first modern composer to really achieve that was Toscanini. And now, there's another thing about Toscanini, and that mm-hmm. is this. I, I really recommend this book to anybody who is, who, who is listening. Uh, it's a wonderful book by an author named David Horowitz uh, called Understanding Toscanini. The book is not principally about Toscanini. It has an, a, a, a much higher purpose than that. But it explores the, the phenomenon of the institutionalism, institutionalization of classical music through... Toscanini's conductorship of the NBC Symphony and its separation from live performance to in, to radio yeah. broadcasting. Right. And now, Maestro will approach the podium. You know, and then it became something separate. Then, like William Willem Mengelberg in that that Mahler four recording, mm-hmm. tap, you know, recording comes up, tap 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 on the stand, audience sort of settles in. Yeah. Like that, you can. We're all here together. Now we're going to make Mahler. You right. know. The, the radio experience was very much different than that. Mm-hmm. There's a whole nother part of his career uh, than, than his career in the opera house. And it created a phenomenon. And what it also did was it ruptured the, the learning tradition. And it, records did this to an extent, but, but Toscanini on the radio ruptured the continuity that goes back to the house music ethic of music making in the home mm-hmm. learning music right. amongst friends learning you know the lineage of teachers such and such taught such yeah. and such right. taught such and such well, Hanslick, who was a student like, of Clement it's in the 1880s sometime Hanslick is recommending uh, certain Brahms songs as a wonderful Christmas present exactly right and that's so that's not how <laughs> that hasn't happened for a while and in the epilogue of the book Horowitz theorizes about this and he, he asks the question can this living tradition be reestablished is it broken forever well i i wonder you know about that it doesn't mean you can't be reestablished again not necessarily reconnected but reestablished that there are other ways to learn classical music and to experience classical Mm -hmm. music but but this is a this is a very important book it was written back in the middle 1980s 
Okay. And I highly recommend it. So Toscanini continues to be a topical composer who changed the landscape. He, he brought the Beethoven Ninth Symphony into hugely popular focus. Caruso stood. He got a standing room ticket and stood at the Metropolitan Opera House to hear conduct, uh, Toscanini conduct the La Scala Orchestra and right. Chorus on tour in the Beethoven Ninth. Yeah. Well, when he was a young man, Fancarian bicycled like 300 miles to hear Toscanini conduct. I wonder if that was at the Salzburg Festival. No, well, he's from Salzburg. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. He might have gone out and come back. But yeah. yeah. No, it but might not have been 300. It was, uh, it was over 100 miles that he bicycled to hear Toscanini. Interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. that's that's Toscanini for me. And uh, I, I, I still find a crispness and energy and a determination uh, in... Uh, of pr and a, a what a clarity tyrant. of purpose. What a tyrant, though. Oh, absolutely. You know, he he he, he, he was a, a conductor who beat down at the beat, um, and um, and he put the beat there. But they would play up for him out of fear. But all of his he's a fairly one-dimensional technician. But all of his all of his instructions were done. His his communication was done verbally beforehand. Mm -hmm. It was all well rehearsed, well understood. It better be well understood. Bed, if you haven't ever heard it, uh, it's right up there with Buddy Rich berating his band on that bus, you know, um, that, that somebody recorded. But Toscanini getting after his orchestra yeah. is volcanic. Who was it he was always picking on? A cello? <laughs> I don't remember. There's a specific instrument he was always on. Contrabassi, come on, piccoglioni, lei! Obviously! You have no ears, no eyes! Carpo d'un Dio Santissimo! I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, my, that's Toscanini. Yeah, my, my first pick, I don't know nearly as much about as you know about Toscanini, but is the antithesis of, and contemporary of, and that's Wilhelm Furtwängler, longtime conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic. Antithesis? How? Antithesis. In he was very swishy. He didn't want anyone knowing when to enter. He would come, where, and they would. Yes. Oh, yes. look at he like listen. And there's a story where uh, he, they all decided to take the entrance off the concert master. <laughs> and so he does his thing, and they all come in with this sharp entrance, and he just keeps going, and they slowly stop playing. And, and the, the, one of them asks, well, Maestro, how did you like our entrance, our Christmas? Altogether too deliberate. <laughs> yes. It, and so you know, the ultimate philosopher... As a conductor, yeah, we got we got the motorcycle concerto here in the background. <laughs> Must be PDQ Bach. <laughs> Must be, um, and you know, his father was a classicist and archaeologist. He grew up in Greece. He had this really incredible cosmopolitan upbringing. Uh, his his wife wrote in her letters when he was a young man. He had an air of victory about him, <laughs> which I just thought was is so romantic and so you know before the war. Hmm. Um, but I find Furtwängler to be an endless um, paradox or conundrum or something to be solved because of his role or lack thereof during the war. Because he never gets a Nazi card. And yet there is video footage of him conducting Beethoven's Ninth with Goering and Himmler in the audience. Hmm. And swastikas on both sides of the stage. Hmm. It's, I just find it completely well, fascinating. Yes. 
Well, but I only like him in certain. So I have certain I, my f composers that I've picked my conductors for as well. I think Furtwängler was a, a, an, an or orchestra was a musician's uh, conductor, mm. and the orchestras who knew him and worked with him liked him. You know, um, I thought I've always thought that that. I, I, you know, they talk about the, you know, listening to him conduct the ring and the, and the La Scala mm -hmm. ring. I'm sorry, but but the, the end of the cycle, the 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 um, the, the immolation, his immolation scene and epilogue is entirely too fast. Hmm. It just it's no. It's okay. Knopper's Bush had it nailed down, and it it it's it's yes, it's very excited and excitable and exciting, right. but ultimately uh, it it rushes to the ending instead of you know instead of overflowing and then okay. suffusing i don't know that's that's my opinion but yeah. but furtwängler is is definitely an important yeah. <laughs> an important conductor of yeah. the middle 20th century yeah. and i'm not going by favorites here either you threw toscanini I, so I threw i've never heard or read that anybody thought I, he was an evil man or anything. no not at all no no I, I've never but he so he did what most of us would have done if we're honest he made it through He made it through. I mean, to to his credit, Knopper's Bush did actually speak up for his Jewish musicians and was exiled to Bavaria. You know, I mean, so he never conducted in Berlin after that during the war. Right. And and uh, that's not exactly the harshest of punishments, but at least he yeah. said something. Yeah. You know? And you know, Toscanini during the war was given this um, resistance. Uh, just to play the two off of each other. Again. Yeah. Sure. Uh, resistance uh, her her heroism. Of a sort, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to play Mussolini's. I won't play the Internationale yes. or La Giovanessa. Yes, and but there are people who say, well, that's because he was a fascist within La Scala, <laughs> and <laughs> no one was going to tell him what to play. Yes, well, and then, and then that wasn't necessarily a strike against fascism. That's like saying that you know. But again, yeah. it's like it's like saying that 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 you know Hitler and Wagner could never have gotten along because Wagner's ego was bigger. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> this was not going to work. Well, one was a genius, and one was. Hitler. <laughs> yeah, so a politician. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. so no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's... Yeah. Uh, there but is the Tristan is fantastic with Hans Sultan and uh, Kirsten Flagstad. It's fantastic on EMI. For your listening list. Yes. yes. And so there'll be a... So I've, I've taken to putting vocal or um, musical examples, splicing them in. How about that? I like that. Classic. I, I really do like yeah. that. Well, I'll give you something to splice in on my next on my mm -hmm. next choice. So we're on to number two now. Yeah. This is number two. Go ahead. Um, this is um, will come as a pleasant 
surprise, I think, to uh, some of my Anglophilic friends. Thomas Beecham. Okay. Sir Thomas Beecham. Um, and I, I, I... The most quotable of all conductors. <laughs> yes, indeed. The, the, the master of the ball. By far. Um, and I, I think I, I, I've always uh, been... A, a, I, I cited... See, wait a minute. Let me get my notes here. Oh, what did I cite Toscanini for? Uh, Beethoven? Clarity? Clarity, yeah, yeah. Um, and Beecham uh, is consummately... Thomas Beecham was consummate, had a consummate sense of taste. Hmm. Everything he did was extreme, extremely well measured. Beecham was uh, a, a very talented dilettante. His family was very wealthy. Uh, hmm. His family were the purveyors, I believe, of Beecham's little liver pills. They, okay. he, he, they made a fortune in pharmaceuticals and pseudo-pharmaceuticals. Um, but so he had enough money after he'd pursued his musical education to basically buy himself an orchestra, which he, I think, uh, I think it was the LPO that he founded or, or oh, yeah, I'm not sure. What I'm not, it's one of the LPO or RPO. Uh, he founded that orchestra yeah. so that he would have an orchestra to conduct. And the thing of it well, was... Well, it's not the Philharmonic. The Philharmonic means it was, con it, was com it was started by the players. Any Philharmonic means the players started. Okay, all right. Uh, then it must have been the Royal... It might have been the RSO. Okay. In any event... No, it was the LSO. It's the London Symphony Orchestra. Okay. That was his orchestra. Um, and the thing is, Beecham... Beecham just had an infallible sense of musical taste. Everything he, he did was perfectly proportioned, very delicately communicated. He was, a, he was a wonderful conductor, just by default. And he, he changed the musical landscape as well uh, through at least one major, in at least one major way. Um, if Daily you listen, hmm? no, 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 it is even more surprising than that. It is Thomas Beecham's interpretation of La Boheme that is the standard interpretation hmm. to okay. this day. Yeah. The 1953 recording with UC Bjorling and Victoria de Los Angeles is right. the first standardized recording of La Boheme. If you listen to Toscanini, who was the first to conduct it, his interpretation was very different. His speeds, his dramatic pacing, very different. It doesn't sound like a Boheme that we hear today. If you go to the Opera House today and you hear Boheme, you go and listen to the recording by Thomas Beecham, and that's the recording you're listening to. Yeah. It's the standard. Not that it's a perfect recording. A lot of people have criticized uh, De Los Angeles for being somewhat sexless. Um, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but uh, Bjorling is, is ardent and fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if you listen carefully to, to that recording, um, if you listen to Act, uh, act Two, shortest act in okay. opera also the brightest and most charming um the you know uh, the, the, when the chorus comes in you, they get about a measure and a half ahead in in uh, uh, ahead of the beat really because they clearly used two different takes 
when they fight when they put the final oh, record and they never went back and fixed it hmm. for whatever reason they put in a take that was taken at a slightly faster tempo and they end up about a, about a, a bar and a half ahead i'll have to listen to that yeah one. listen very yeah. carefully to that and it i mean however that that says absolutely nothing about the dimensions of the interpretation and that hmm. is the first standard bohem okay now and it's the standard to this how day do you, it, but so you're saying thomas Beecham's taste absolutely Perfect so taste. how do you then explain my favorite rendition of Handel's Messiah, which would be the reorchestration by Eugene Goosens, conducted by Thomas Beecham, <laughs> <laughs> with John Vickers and Giorgio Tozzi, uh, like well, full held in like basso profundo, held in tenor solos. I love it. I'm talking about proportional taste. Yes, I mean, with the um, Goosens, that's a. That's a 20th century orchestra. Now, you know, having, now that you bring that up, I, I was just... Um, one of the very first CDs that I ever bought was Messiah when it first came out. Mm -hmm. It was Nicholas Harnencourt in the Consensus oh, really? Music Verein. It was on Das Alte Werk, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Teldeck, I think it was. Yeah. And... Um, you, you like the period, guys. I do. I love yeah. I do. However, the, this is an eccentric well, recording because the, 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 when in the middle of the Hallelujah Chorus, Harnencourt starts to speed up and he starts out as ha, bum, bum, and he finishes at King of Kings, at Lord of Lords. Somewhere in the he just like took off and never came back. Huh. Uh, and they, they issued the recording anyway. Oh, well. So it just goes to show. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. His Beethoven cycle. But we're gonna. We don't want to get. Caught yeah, right. To get to uh, yeah. on that. But, but I'm just talking I, about. I love that Messiah because it's so. But Beecham's Shahrazad. It's so true to what it is. For whatever he whatever he conducted. The, the what, Shahrazad's great. The Shahrazad is great. It's so good. Uh, to this day, maybe the best. You know, I, we we need to do a whole program on Shahrazad. I've got I've got <laughs> like a I've I've already been doing this a few years ago. My I've got about fifteen recordings of Shahrazad because they're all so different, and it's mm -hmm. it's so interesting to listen to yeah. different. But the the the, the Beecham recording, it, everything he touched was just immaculately carried off, yeah. and I and he changed the landscape. Okay. So I'm gonna go. Uh, with the unholy offspring of the union of Toscanini and Furtwangler. If Toscanini and Furtwangler had a love had child. Had a conducting baby, a it conducting would be love child. Herbert von Karajan. Well, yes. I mean, you, I, yeah. he's, he's my number four. Oh, he's, oh we, we share this one. Well, okay. you know, I was, yeah. Go ahead. You, you talk okay. about it. Um, it's, just, it's just the consistency. Until, like, 80, 1980. Anything after 1980, I'm not really that interested in his last decade. Uh, the Parsifal is is fun. It's good. Um, with the rock star, with the rock singer, can't remember his name. Uh, Peter Hoffman. Yeah, Peter Hoffman. Peter Hoffman. Yes. Flash in the pan. But yeah. well, he was good while he lasted. He sure was. Um, but man, just some absolutely stunning, perfect recordings. Oh, I, the, my uh, the, my descriptor for him was range. Yeah. Because he recorded so many different things. His Cavalleria so to WC. To Bruckner, to the 62-63 Beethoven cycle, it, <laughs> come on. I mean. They're almost definitive. I, he was never my, to be honest, I was always. I was you feel never guilty, a, you feel guilty being a Foncarian fan. Well, uh, I do. Also, I, I do. It, 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 his, his, his whole demeanor was so inhuman. He, he was such a, a, an ice king of mm -hmm. conductors, you know, and it's like, that gets a little, a little one-dimensional after a while. Yeah. However. 
just taking him purely on 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 record for recording's sake <laughs> it's just the range and the consistency uh over time is mm-hmm. he's the he, he's the fisher discal of conductors because he can he recorded so much yeah and it's all at such a high level yeah, yeah. but he was i f- to be honest with you sibelius one two and five i don't really like anyone else mm. Judge me, fine. I don't care. Condemn me. I, yeah. I just don't. I don't like Sir Colin Davis's as much, even though he's a Sibelius, you know, expert. Um, <laughs> it just doesn't have the same because it was like the pinnacle of that of of Berlin and Foncarion was in the seventies, late sixties, and through the seventies, and anything from that era is pretty much spotless. Yeah, you know, yeah. and. I mean, there's a Tristan with Vickers that comes from there that is phenomenal. Uh, although when you have your earphones on, you can hear the multi-tracks. You can oh, hear right. one of the end, like, because there's like, you can hear Tristan singing before he's singing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of stuff is kind of, kind of fun. <laughs> I always wondered how that worked. Yeah. Uh, like, his Tchaikovsky. His Tchaikovsky 4, 5, and 6 are phenomenal. Soundscapes. Well, he also it's a it's a style of recording as well. It's a recording style, meaning a technical style. The way they captured his orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, That's also is is unique. I mean, plus you know he he benefited, I think, from probably the finest orchestral brass section in in. in, the orchestral universe well, at Vienna Berlin. or Berlin Berlin all right because Vienna wasn't too shabby either no not too shabby but that yeah, what, the, maybe it's the way they recorded it yeah. but my gosh I mean uh, but he, he drove both those cars on, on the, he on, drove on the, both uh, those on the whole yeah. planets mm, yeah brass yeah I think so yeah so that's, that's I don't that's know another one something to listen for but yeah. uh, but yeah. his his lab OM with Puccini with Pavarotti and Freni from the 60s phenomenal 
Yeah. And his butterfly. But if you listen to it, it's more similar to Beecham than it is I'm to Toscanini. Sure. I'm sure. I, I will check that out. And his his butterfly recording, same cast, basically, Franny Pavarotti, is atmospherically the most beautiful thing. There, you will never hear anything more beautiful. You will never, ever in your life hear anything You're more. A butterfly. You're a butterfly bigot. I am. More, you are a butterfly I am. bigot. I'm a bu- butterfly bigot. You're bigoted against everything else in favor, of, in favor of bitch. butterfly. You're a butterfly. <laughs> butterfly makes me made me made me its bitch. I'm a butterfly <laughs> bitch. Mariposon. <laughs> uh, but you'll never hear anything more beautiful than that rendering of Butterfly's Entrance by Marella Freni and the Vienna Philharmonic and that chorus and conductor. So, is so I had to pull my car over one time because I can I was just like it just hit me at the right whatever happened that day it just off it just uh, it, the emotional release of the from the beauty of it 
was overwhelming. I, I had to pull my car over once on Miramar Road mm -hmm. uh, late at night. I was I was getting um, the Delta Opera House broadcast over Radio USC ah. from Los Angeles up mm -hmm. there on Miramar. Uh, on, on, uh, it's an uh, area outside San Diego that has a little bit of elevation. You can't get it, couldn't get it down here okay. uh, in the shadow of uh, Mount Soledad. Um, and it turned out that it was a recording of, I, I, I think it was Tito Gobbi singing uh, Il Tabarro. Mm. And I didn't know it because I'd never heard it before. Sure. And it actually was scaring me. You know, I, it, it, that is frightening music. Hmm. And it, it's cruel music. Um, but anyway, that's just talking about pulling your car over right. one time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah and so Carrion so is your number two. Well, no, I'm not going by well, favorites. No, yeah. but I'm just saying, you know, is, is my in, second, in order. Yeah, my second, second on the list. Yeah. Second on the list. Yeah. Okay. So I went Furt Bongler. And I said Toscanini Beecham. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And 